Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kim and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 30th, 2013. Today we are reading from the Big Book and we are starting at page 152, the second full paragraph, which begins, yes, there is a substitute. Today's readers are, for the steps, Eileen G., for the traditions, Nancy T., and for the text, this will be Sally, Sharon, Michelle, and Fran. The reference number for Tuesday, October 29, 2013, is 5378, and once again, that share code is 5378. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Eileen G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Eileen from Massachusetts. Um, the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Arlene. I will now ask Nancy T. to read the 12 traditions. 
Nancy, hit star one to unmute. Kim, this is Melanie. I can do I that. Have, I'm here. Sorry about that. I thought I was unmuted. This is Nancy, compulsive eater from Lewiston, Idaho, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, O-Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, O-Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all those traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop on share on what was read. Anyone can share. We ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify ourselves as compulsive overreaders only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book on page 152, the second full paragraph that begins, yes, there is a substitute, and I will ask Sally to begin reading. Good morning, A Vision for You. It's Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Yes, there is a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus we find the fellowship, and so will you. How is that to come about, you ask? Where am I to find these people? You are going to meet these new friends in your own community. Near you, alcoholics are dying helplessly like people in a sinking ship. If you live in a large place, there are hundreds, 
high and low, rich and poor. These are future fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Among them you will find lifelong friends. You will be bound to them with new and wonderful ties, for you will escape disaster together, and you will commence shoulder to shoulder your common journey. Then you will know what it means to give of yourself that others may survive and rediscover life. You will learn the full meaning of love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, a lot is said here in these few little paragraphs. Beginning with, yes, there is a substitute. A substitute for what? A substitute for the liquor is what it's referring to, and it is vastly more than that. This substitute, it says, it is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. And when it goes on to ask us, how is that to come about? Where am I to find these people? You are going to meet these new friends in your own community. And when I read these lines, I'm reminded that how many years I was in Overeaters Anonymous. And Overeaters Anonymous did serve me. I did have years of abstinence. I did have, although it was a white-knuckling type of abstinence, I did struggle every day in that abstinence because my focus was on just getting abstinence. Um, I did not see the important role that this book and the, uh, the steps played in my becoming recovered. I didn't even know that the word recovered existed for all of those years. And I marveled that if I had not finally come back again after being gone for probably a year, I came back to a meeting and somebody came up to me and handed me a piece of paper with a phone number on it and a phone number that led me to eventually to this meeting. And, um, you know, they always say, for 30 years I heard them say, don't leave before the miracle. I have to say, I'm so grateful that I did not leave before the miracle because the miracle was, um, there was a tent in the backyard of the last house on the block. OA has always been for me the last house on the block. Nothing else even had a chance of arresting my condition. And um, the tent in the backyard with the people in the tent with their flashlights pointed at their big book, that's where I finally found not just recovery, but release from a very painful condition that I lived in for so many years. When it goes on to say, near you alcoholics are dying helplessly like people in a sinking ship. If you live in a large place, there are hundreds high and low, rich and poor. These are future fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm reminded of page 17. There is a solution where it says something very similar. We are people who normally would not mix, but there exists among us a fellowship a friendliness and understanding which is indescribably wonderful. We are like the passengers of a great liner the moment after rescue from shipwreck when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. Unlike the feelings of the ship's passengers, however, our joy our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feeling of having shared in common peril is one element in the powerful cement which binds us. Common peril is how it's put there on page 17. And it goes on to say that we'll make lifelong friends that will be bound to them with new and wonderful ties. We will escape disaster. And truly, that is the truth for my life. My life was a disaster. It certainly was a shipwreck together and you will commence shoulder to shoulder your common journey. I love these words, shoulder to shoulder. They remind me of an old movie 
uh, a Nelson Eddy movie where he sings with a bunch of men as they march together shoulder to shoulder. And that's a line in the movie, shoulder to shoulder, when stout-hearted men shall stick together. And uh, that's every time I read this line, that movie comes right back to me and that particular scene of these men marching shoulder to shoulder in their common journey. And, and we have our common journey. And then when it says, then you will know what it means to give up yourself that others may survive. I'm reminded of page 124. Let me just read this one sentence from 124 where it says, cling to the thought down in the middle of the page, down toward the, toward the last sentence of the second full paragraph. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. And so I'm going to end by saying, then you will know what it means to give of yourself that others may survive. Such a strong words are used. This book describes our disease as tragic and grave. And here we see the word that others may survive and rediscover life. It's being likened to a shipwreck. And for myself, I often, when I look over my shoulder and look at the past, my past, it was really, I was still in the food June of, 2000, of 2012. When I look over my shoulder and realize that I'm still walking away fresh from the wreckage of my past, that I can still, still see the dust rising from the wreckage of my past. And it does actually fit. It, it works. These words, these words grave and, and survive and rediscover life. This is how they're describing our disease, and it's because that is what our disease is like, to be in the disease. You will learn the full meaning of love thy neighbor as thyself. What a brilliant God we serve, that he should set something up like this, where we cannot walk away from the wreckage altogether, just like the, the shipwrecked passengers who don't walk away completely and they still have a sense of bond because we need each other i need you you need me i can't get well without you when my sponsees end in the evening and say thank you i always say yes and thank you because that's where we are in this program that as we love ourselves we have no choice but to love our neighbor and so love thy neighbor as you love yourself Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. And who would like to share on the paragraphs just read? Hello. This is Bella. Can I share? Hello. I heard I two people know. before Bella. Who did I hear before Bella? Eileen. Sarah. Okay, I heard Eileen and then Sarah. Did I miss anybody? Leah. Hello. Do you hear me? Oh. Who was that? Zippy. Zippy, okay, so we have Eileen, Sarah, Bella, Leah, and then Zippy in that order. So Eileen, you go first, please. Okay, thank you. Uh, this is Eileen from Bedford, Mass. I'm definitely a food addict in recovery. These paragraphs are like so wonderful. It talks all about, to me anyway, it talks all about the disease as far as uh, the isolation and the feeling less than the, the inner feelings that I had before I came in to Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and, and, and 
once you're exposed to OA, um, yes, there is a substitute for that way of life. You didn't think that there would be or there could be, but there is um, such solidarity um, and caring that goes on between yourself and the fellowship of OA. Um, you know, I when I was stuck in the isolation and the insecurity and the fear and the anger and the depression, I never thought there was a way out, but there is. And it talks all about meeting new friends uh, in your own community, even outside of your own community. You, you, you strike up such a bond with people that you get to a point, I've been around in program now for nine years, back in program, um, and I know that I can call any of my peers who are fellow food addicts, and they'll totally understand what feelings are going on for me and the urge to hurt myself with the food. Um, you will be bound in, to them with new and wonderful ties for you will escape disaster together and you will commence, begin shoulder to shoulder on your common journey. Um, there is such equality. I don't consider myself less than anymore. I consider myself an equal to people. Um, and uh, that's all I really wanted to share. Thanks. I'll pass. Thanks, Eileen. Sarah, you're next. Uh, thank you, Kim. This is Sarah, and I am a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Um, I wanted to kind of tie it together with the previous paragraph uh, where it says, <clears throat> you know, it's asking, you know, what should I do now? I'm willing, but am I to be consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum? And how, how must I do this? I mean, how am I going to do this? And the question was, have you a sufficient substitute? So here's our answer. Um, there is a substitute. And, and, and I love the word vastly. I mean, that means like incredibly more than. It's a huge amount than anything we could ever think of. And it offers so much hope, I think, to us that we will find this release. And, and I have found that release. Um, I think, you know, when I feel um, I had an incident that occurred uh, the last few days with my granddaughter where um, a man had um, exposed himself to her and she was extremely, um, you know, shocked. She's only 12 and, um, you know, I'm raising her. But anyway, um, you know, I, I struggled with the food that day so badly. Um, and because it was so painful, because it brought back issues from my history. And, uh, you know, it is life on life's terms that makes things sometimes difficult in recovery. When something really terrible happens to somebody that we care about, whether it be ourselves or our loved ones. And what I have found, the way I'm tying that in, is that when I reached out, uh, two other people. Uh, I just called somebody on the list I had never met before. And I've been in recovery a long time. And that person 
was able through their struggles, not telling me what to do, but through their struggles, through their experiences, they helped me back to realizing that, because I had this sense of helplessness and like I had done wrong. And I think the escape, we can escape disaster together and we will commence shoulder to shoulder your common journey. And I think that is what um, is such a beautiful part of our program, that when one of us, it's kind of like that goose story, you know, when one of the geese, you know, is, is failing, one of the other geese will go back and try to help it. And I think that is what recovery is about. It's not about just staying with the strong. It's about going back for the weak. And and that also means sometimes when I when I have somebody that has not been around for a while to call that person just let them know I care about them. Uh, so I appreciate the fellowship so much, and I know that you know we are people that wouldn't normally mix. Um, you know, have friends that live in different countries, that are um, uh, of different socioeconomic, different educational backgrounds, and we all have this common thread of this weakness, you know, it's like this weakness, not strength that binds us. So I'm so grateful today for the ability to uh, share with somebody. Um, and I'm grateful that my higher power is the, the real, really the, the entity that I depend on the most, but God does speak through people and thank God for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And Bella, it's your turn. Thank you, Kim. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a happy, recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Kim, for leading this meeting, and thank you, everybody, for staying on the line. Wow, I like this paragraph. It's paragraphs with a lot of hope. And, yes, there is a substitute. And I could think, oh, a substitute for my eating, for my dieting. So it reminds me, what was my past, where I was, and where I am now, thank God. In the past, I put together my overweight with my eating. And if I will do diet, I will lose weight. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. I didn't know why, but I di- it didn't work out. Now that I am, thank God, thank God in the program, I understand my disease. I understand that my disease, it's not only the physical uh, po- uh, problem. I know problem. that I know that it's uh, the allergy in the body, and it's also the obsession in the mind. And here, the substitute is nothing to do with the food. It doesn't talk about the food. It doesn't talk about diet. A substitute for the reason why I am eating. And it's nothing to do with diet. It's to live the life. Yes, don't be isolated anymore. I am not afraid for myself. I am not afraid from people. I don't have to run away from people. The substitute is nothing to do with the food. The substitute is why I am running to the food, why I live in a deny, and I am so afraid. And now continue life. Be with people. Continue your relationship with your family, with your neighbors, with other people. 
don't be afraid, don't be scared. And there is a substitute. When I understand that my disease is the reason why I am eating, now I open a new gate. Yes, I am looking for the control of God. Yes, I am looking for a spiritual relationship because my life, it's not only me and I and I and me. It's, it's to do with my relationship with God. And if I have a relationship with God, I don't have to be scared from people. I don't have to be afraid from looking around and to look other people. And it doesn't matter who are they, if they are poor or rich, if they are in my uh, um, religious, if they are if this if they are women, it doesn't matter. Just open your eyes because the world is the go- the world of God, and you don't have to be scared. We are all the children of God, and thank you for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Bella and Leah. You're next. Thanks so much, Kim, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to comment on this statement. Um, There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Uh, Release meaning relief or deliverance from suffering or trouble. To be set free from confinement or restraint. And, yes, I mean, notice it doesn't say there you will find release from alcohol. Um, you know, there's more more than just the um, elimination of the substance here that's going on. And as powerful as fellowship is, and indeed fellowship is very, very powerful, it does not create the vital change that's necessary for people like you and me. That is the result of the steps. Uh, These men and women that gathered together in meetings were recovered as a result of the program of recovery. They have release um, due to the program of recovery. You know, there's often uh, great emphasis placed on abstinence, and of course abstinence is imperative, but that isn't the goal of the program. That's the beginning of the program. The goal of this program is a spiritual awakening that will change our lives that will produce a personality change, that will allow us to find release from care, boredom, and worry, that will enable us to have a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery and enable us to live happy, joyous, and free. And that's the attraction. If people can see that has happened to us, in us, they will be attracted to the program. They will be attracted to the program. You know, we we talked earlier uh, yesterday, you know, about not being glum. And, uh, you know, it just warms my heart in my uh, fellowship, a big, uh, you know, wonderful uh, fellowship back in Minneapolis, you know, when the newcomers would call and ask where exactly in the church the meeting was located, I would tell them, just follow the laughter. There was so much laughter in that room because uh, the recovery was present. People had recovered. They had recovered and had been given the power to help others, and you felt that electricity in the air. 
It goes on to say in this next paragraph, then you will know what it means to give of yourself that others may survive and rediscover life. Again, the secret of these 12 steps is that it is possible to be able to effectuate such a dramatic change in personality, in character, and in values. Abstinence, yes. Elimination of binge foods, absolutely. But more than that, to be recovered, not just the simple elimination of binge foods, but to have a wholeness in life, to have a soundness of life, to be restored in life, renewed, you know, a, a reordered life, a new happiness. This is what is so attractive. That is the message that we, that we have to carry, much greater than, than mere elimination of a substance, a new life, <laughs> a new life that we continue to trudge. And what a beautiful life it is. Each person, like pieces of a mosaic that is put together, forms a picture of hope. Or on this line, hopefully, a song of hope. That this thing is possible. That this is doable. That to get to a state called recovered and to have this lifestyle, a way of living, is possible. That's the message of hope that's sprinkled throughout this chapter. That's the message of hope, hopefully, that emanates from this line. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Jiffy, you're next. Zippy, hit star one to unmute. Zippy, hit star one to unmute, please. Okay, we'll see if she comes back in. Does anyone else want to share on this paragraph before we move on? This is Paula. May I share? Go ahead, Paula. Uh, thank you, Kim. This is Paula, recovered compulsive reader. Oh, how proud. How, oh, I'm just so thrilled to say those words and to know it's just not for me. You know, as I was listening here, and oh, what an impact to listen here to the, the voices that have recovered and have been lived in a different land, and they come to this land, and they commend shoulder to shoulder. Our common journey, what is our common journey? That is our primary purpose. You know, we read clear on page 128, and I'm going to read this because it says, this is the way I came in, like a gaunt prospector, belt drawn in over last ounce of food. A pick struck gold, joy at our release, and we heard that word, and here it is again, from a lifetime of frustration, knew no bounds. Father feels he has struck something better than gold. For a time he may try to hug the new treasure to himself. He may not see at once that he has barely scratched a limitless load, which will pay dividends only if he minds it for the rest of his life and insists on giving away the entire product. Common sense becomes uncommon sense. Is that not what Bill says? Then you will know what it means to give of yourself, that others may survive and rediscover life. I know the words were said before, but look at them again. A life. There is a name between every voice that you hear here. You will learn the full meaning. Oh, see, I knew the meaning of love thy neighbor as thyself. If I agreed with my neighbor, if my neighbor thought like me, if my neighbor did this, my neighbor went to the same church. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, no. No, oh, yeah, there. The full meaning. Total and complete. Love thy neighbor. What is love? A deep affection as thyself. Here I learned to love myself. And like the gold mine, once I struck gold to give it all away and to realize that I will always have a limitless load. Thank you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And we're going to move on to the next paragraph. And Sharon, can you read the next paragraph? Good morning. Thank you, Kim. This is Sharon. Good morning to all on the line. I'm just so grateful to be here this morning with you. It may seem incredible that these men are to become happy, respected, and useful once more. How can they rise out of such misery, bad repute, and hopelessness? The practical answer is that since these things have happened among us, they can happen with you. Should you wish them above all else and be willing to make use of our experience, we are sure they will come. The age of miracles is still with us. Our own recovery proves that. So I'd like to, this this paragraph actually has a rhythm to it, and I, I just love that Bill does it. He's grouped things in pairs of three in this paragraph. He's got, we're, if you're, uh, they're happy, respected, and useful once more. And they wrote that is is shocking that that could happen. It's surprising that that could happen out of, or, you know, he calls it incredible. It's incredible that that could happen because before they were, they were uh, miserable, of bad repute, and hopeless. And then they became happy, respectful, and useful once more. And then he asked the question, how, how, how could this happen? How can they rise out of such uh, misery, bad repute? How did this happen? And then what he gives us, it says the practical answer, which is really quite a puzzling answer, is that since this happened among us, they can happen with you. And like, well, what is the answer here? Because it happened to you, it can happen to me. That's the answer. But what I want to know is what do I do? But Bill says, here's the answer. It happened to all of us. It can happen to you. But no, 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 Bill, I want to know how do I get it? That's not telling me how. You're just telling me that it happened to these people and so it could happen to me. But really, he is saying this is how because he goes on and he says that what you have to do is first you have to see that it has happened in others. And then down here he says, should you wish them above all else and be willing to make use of our experience, we are sure they will come. So you, we have to believe that it is possible to get this recovery. How do we get this belief? 
Well, we read the book. We see it's possible in the book. We go to a meeting or we meet someone and they tell us that this is what happened to me or they say, someone over there got it and I know you're miserable and they got it when they, and they did something and you would get introduced to it somehow. But somehow or other, we come to believe that there is a possibility that we too can recover. And then, Bill says, we wish it above all others. We wish it above all, above all others. This isn't the wimpy recovery that you can just get by osmosis. This is a recovery that has to jump to the forefront of our lives. You don't get it. You don't get this miracle by just uh, hanging out at a meeting. You don't get this meeting, this, uh, this uh, recovery. I was in meetings for 10 years. Somehow or other, I didn't get it. I, it just didn't happen just by sitting on the, in, the, in the seats. I had to, first of all, wish it above all others. It had to take first place in my life. And then it says, we have to be willing to make use of the experience of those who have it. We can get it like that experience that from others through these pages. This book was written just for that. So we have no excuse. I can't get it because I can't get a sponsor. I can't get it because the meetings in my area are weak. I can't get it because there's no meetings in my area. None of those. None of those are valid excuses because this book has been written so that we can get recovery through the pages of the book. And then we can, we can go to any length to find the community of recovered people that we so desire. I want to end with this. The age of miracles is still with us. And the way this paragraph is written, it's written, it tells us how we're going to get this recovery. It actually does tell us that. But the way it tells us, it leaves, it brings an opening because it isn't a direct how-to. First you do A, then B, then C. It, what it says it, it, it opens with this, the practical answer is that since these things have happened among us, they can happen with you. It says that there's some contact. There's some human contact, some other contact that helps us get this recovery. And then it ends with the age of miracles. You see, it's a miracle. It's a mystery. It's mystical. It's not just an a logical thing that happens in the interior of our brain. The age of miracles. What is a miracle? A miracle is defined as a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. In other words, a higher power, a God a power beyond what we can uh, uh, just see or conjure 
with our human ability, miracles. So in the end, there are things that we can do. But in the end, in the very final analysis, this is the work of a power greater than ourselves that is available to us if we should want it above all else and if we should seek it and if we'll follow a few simple simple steps. We can have this miracle. It's available to every one of us. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. And who would like to share or comment on the paragraph we just read? This is Larissa. May I comment? Go ahead, Larissa. Good morning, everyone. This is Larissa. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive eater and relapsed survivor in New York. So grateful for this meeting and this reading um, and everybody's service. Uh, here's Dr. Cropping up for me. Um, the Age of Miracles always brings me back to Bill's story when Ebby came to visit him fresh-faced and glowing. And if you hadn't known Ebby, and if you hadn't known the depths of despair of Ebby's drinking as his former drinking buddy, I don't know that he would have recognized what Ebby was in that moment of a miracle, but he even references it in his story that, you know, so much for the age of the Bible where miracles, like here stood a miracle fresh-faced and glowing before me. And um, that beacon of hope and light that a recovered person um, is, to the man who still suffers, that, you know, we are evidence that God is working in our lives. I came into these rooms over 300 pounds dying of this disease with all sorts of physical conditions and horrible blood work, couldn't stop eating no matter how great the wish or desire or need. Food was my master. It owned my soul. And today, there is a God of my understanding working in my life. I didn't even believe in a God who controls my thinking and my actions, who enables me to show up to be part of the stream of life to see what I can contribute to God and man, not what can I take from it. And so I have sort of a provocative thing that I do with my protégés because I believe when we're desperately miserable and we come into these rooms and that space of selfish self-centeredness, which is the root cause of our disease, it's all about us. We either want to be thin or we want to be healthy or we don't want to be so miserable and depressed. And um, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And what I tell people is this is not about you and your recovery. This is about everyone you are going to help with your recovery. So when we read that line that if you want it above all, it's not just wanting your own healing. It's wanting to be of use to others. I realize that I took from my fellowship for so many years. I used away as a diet club and a support group. And they saved my life, but I wasn't recovering from a hopeless state of mind and body. I was still believing that food was the solution to the problems in my life. And it wasn't until I got the gift of desperation and misery that I was willing to cling like a drowning man to a life preserver to the work. I truly believe that the desperation begets the willingness to do the work that creates the psychic change. And for me, the eye on the prize, it wasn't about me. I wanted to be able to give back more than anything else. I wanted to be able to be a member of this fellowship that could actually carry the message and help the man who's so sick. And I'm still mind boggled that from the depths of despair, I just had blood work recently, all my blood work is in the low end of the normal range, perfectly healthy. All of the conditions that I had are gone. I'm in a healthy body. Not a right-sized body just yet, but it's a healthy body. 
and it's shrinking one day at a time with God's grace. But it's not about that anymore. It's so not about that for me anymore. It is about how can I be of use in the world, not about the size of my tushy. Um, I don't diminish my usefulness that way anymore and judging who I am by by that number on the scale by God's grace. And it, 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 it's such a miracle that there are generations of recovery out there in the world, people actively helping others because I was given that, that gift of desperation. To me, that is a miracle. If the way food owned my soul and owned my life, it's nothing anymore. There are days now that I forget it's time to eat. I can take it or leave it. I'm in a space of neutrality, safe and protected, and that's only because I live in these steps and I am in constant thought of how to help the man who's still sick. And if I can't work with another compulsive eater, I find other people to help. I am of service in my job. You know, this is practice these principles in all our affairs. It's everywhere. How am I? What kind of neighbor am I? What kind of friend am I? What kind of family member am I? How can I be of service to the God and the people in the world about me? That's the eye on the prize. The putting down the food is nothing in comparison to the gifts that we are given to live a life of sin and happy usefulness instead of one of misery, despair, futility, and fatality. Thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you, Larissa. And who else would like to comment on this paragraph? This is it's Sharon in Colorado. I heard Sharon. I think I heard someone coming on behind her. Leah. Okay. Anyone else that I missed? Okay, so we'll have Sharon and then Leah. Hi, Kim. Thanks so much, and hello to everyone out on the line. And I just love this paragraph. Um, the practical answer is that since these things have happened among us, they can happen with you. Should you wish them above all else and be willing to make use of our experience, we are sure they will come. The age of miracles is still with us. Our own recovery proves that. And that gives me so much hope because that's what I am seeing too today uh, in regards to this bondage that I was in to compulsive overeating and had been for many years. And it's such a contrast too. When um, I began listening to this meeting, they were in the doctor's opinion and so for about those first 70 pages, you just are told the facts, you know, this is a hopeless state of mind and body. It will not change. Uh, it will get worse. And, it, and so I had to come to accept to the core of my being that that was the truth, that I was not going to win this battle with food, no matter how hard I tried or how determined I was, that, that it somehow, some way I could work um, and I did come in with a very uh, limited idea of I just wanted to lose the weight. I mean, I didn't have a lot of other, I wasn't able to transfer it over from what I had learned in another 12-step program, uh, which just tells me the core of my rebellion was pretty pretty deep. So, But anyway, I have seen these miracles happen in this program and the other pr programs that I have been in over the years. And what a joy that is to see. So not only are we given this, I just love this chapter and what it's called, a vision for you, because that's exactly what it is. It's a vision for what will 
happen to us if we are faithful to work these steps. And then as a result of that, we are given the opportunity and the privilege to be there for those that are still dying uh, from this disease and to help them through this program as well, using this book as the guideline and the directions to follow. So with that, I pass, and thank you all uh, for listening, and uh, keep coming back. I pass. Thank you, Sharon. And Leah, you're next. Thank you so much, Kim. It may seem incredible that these men are to become happy, respected, and useful once more. What does incredible mean? Incredible means too extraordinary and improbable to be believed, hard to believe. Um, And it is hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, it it is extraordinary uh, when you hear or read on page 151 uh, where we came from, you know, the pits that we were living in, and then to hear that we have risen above that, not through any personal success, mind you. This is about getting so beaten and pummeled into a state of reasonableness that each one of us throws ourselves at a God of our own personal understanding. This is not about personal success. This is about what happens through enough suffering and through enough pain and through enough degradation that breaks us down that we are almost dead before we can be born again. How can they rise out of such misery, bad repute, and hopelessness? The practical answer is that since these things have happened among us, they can happen with you. There is no motive for us to lie. You know, there is no motive for us to lie. That's the whole point of a meeting with recovered people, recovered voices coming forward and saying, you know what, we have risen out of a seemingly, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. That's the whole point here. We've been restored to sanity. We have soundness of mind. We've been relieved of the obsession to compulsively overeat. We walk the earth free men and women. And this happened to us, and we are all types of people. We're young, we're old, we're men, we're women, we're black, white, Hispanic, from every socioeconomic and every educational level from around the globe. We come together, bound together on the same solution, standing in harmony on the program of recovery. You know, maybe there's about 200 people on this line every day. Perhaps I've had the honor and the privilege to be with about 20 of you guys in person. Um, You know, but it doesn't matter. We are are like a big show-and-tell operation. We are living proof that a power greater than ourselves has restored us to sanity. This is the message of the hope. And it says, should you wish them above all else and be willing to make use of our experience? This is experience that we carry. This is not just about babbling about some words out of a page of a book. We live this. We thread this through our lives every day, through marriages, through workplaces, through children, elderly and ailing parents. You know, we, we thread this through every facet of our life. We come forward not just with some intellect and, and the ability to maybe articulate well on every other day. 
we come forward with the fact that this is God working in our lives, that God has put us back together the way he meant us to be. And that was as a result of these steps. And now we have a message to carry. And now we become a source of solace and service to our community. And it's no longer the must of duty that keeps us going. This is a must of our very nature, an energy that's generated from the inside out of gratitude to the one above. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leia. And I'm going to jump in now, everyone. My name is Kim. And, uh, you know, it may seem incredible, and you can hear the passion in Leia's voice. You know, it is. It's absolutely incredible, and it is. It's just a practical answer. It's a very practical answer, these 12 steps. And yet I spent over a decade, well over a decade in the rooms, having no idea that I was in a 12-step program and wasn't working the 12 steps the way they were written. You know, I really felt that the goal, the aim, was just to be abstinent. Whether it was white knuckle, whether I was miserable, the goal was to be abstinent. You know, and that is kind of like going into a 12-step program and just hoping for abstinence is like studying for a test and shooting for 50%. You know, that's not the goal. That's not the aim. It's saying here it may seem incredible that these men are becoming happy, respected, and useful. That's totally different than one day at a time. Don't pick up no matter what. 90 meetings in 90 days. I really thought my lot in life as a compulsive overeater was just to hopefully be strong enough to beat the beast one more day. And that's so exhausting. So exhausting. And we have this practical answer in the big book that's letting us know when we walk through these 12 steps It's not promising me that I'm going to be able to beat the food. It's not promising me that I'm going to be able to be powerful enough to resist it. What it's saying is the obsession will be removed and that I will no longer want my binge food. And that is my experience. That last line, our own recovery proves that. That's the gift of a meeting, like a vision for you, when you have people telling you that they are free, that they are happy, and that they are joyous. So it says here, should you wish wish them, wish what? Wish this recovery. Do you want to be recovered or would you rather settle for periods of respite, of abstinence and then going back? Do you want to settle for just recovering and always being sick and being one bite away, which we all are, but I'm one bite away living happy, joyous, and free. I'm not one bite away white-knuckling it, waiting to punch someone in the face who dares do something I don't want them to do. So if you want them above all else, and you're willing to make use of our experience, willing to do what we did, willing to go through this book and apply this book the way that it's presented, to not try to change it to make it more convenient for you, not try to change it and add outside influences, but just to do it. And if that happens, it says here, we are sure that they will come. What will come? The promises on step nine, the promises of step 10. We will cease fighting everything or everyone. That is what this journey is about. And if we don't know the goal and the aim, how are we going to shoot for it? If abstinence is your goal, that's a life of misery. That's a life of misery. And with that, I'm going to pass, and it's five of, and time to start the, start to stop the meeting. Um, so thank you to everyone who has shared. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Michelle, will you please read, please read a vision for you, starting with our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, this is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.